0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Darkness and Daisies. I'm Jerry. And I'm Aaron. And it is it. Finally, it's gotten a little cold here in Colorado. A little? Yeah. We still haven't had any snow, just these little, like, spits of stuff.
1: I mean, to be fair, we haven't hit, like, single digits or anything, but it's cold enough to feel like it, and I'm over it.
0: Well, and you know, the best way to warm up is to talk about some horror. So, we're actually going to talk about a game, a analog horror mo- film series, and then we're actually going to get a little bit real and talk about uh, development in the unfortunate shooting uh, at Wisconsin. So let's start with this game, Inscription. Inscription, from its very like beginning, seems very strange, wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's misleading, too, for the title being Inscription, like mm-hmm. something to be... I don't know, etched into something. Uh,
0: the game uh, came out in October, and I finally uh, got a look at it uh, firsthand. I actually bought it, and it's very good. So the game starts off with, like, you're across from this person, and you're playing, like, this strange little card game. Now, now you said when you saw the beginning of this card game that you kind of equated it almost to, like, Magic the Gathering. Kind of, Yeah. Where, like, you have to, like, sacrifice and deal damage and all that stuff.
1: Well, yeah, that, and you're directly across from the person that you're, uh, I guess, playing or battling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't use mana the right. way that I would be used to.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, one of the things is that it begins with, like, oh, you have to sacrifice something. So you have, like, these, I believe they're squirrels, right? Yeah. You have to sacrifice the squirrels to, like, bring out a player another like attack card and like stronger attack cards need more sacrifices so you can keep doing that. And at first you're just like okay this is kind of like a horror like card game you're like it, I almost also got a little bit of like slay the spire because like you have like this map that you continue on and you can start choosing paths to go down and like one is like okay you've got a card sacrifice this card and then this card the card that you choose gets the power of the card you sacrificed forever. right from the beginning though you get the feeling that like something else is going on because like one of the cards starts talking to you and like oh you know he, this guy is not going to let you go you need to win this the game keeps going until at one point the guy across from you is like oh you know you can get up from the table and you're like what What do you mean I can get up from the table? And then suddenly you're like in this cabin where there's like puzzles on the wall and you can interact with stuff. And if you solve some of them, you get different cards. It's very, it's a very different approach to like a card building game, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh yeah, there's that card building element.
0: Um, I guess I was just kind of wondering though, like, is there a story with this? Well, and see, that's the craziest part. Because as you go and you get to like the end of like this map, You will face, like, a boss, like... And it's weird, like, because the guy across from you, like, puts on a mask. And he's like, oh, now he's the Prospector. Yeah,
1: but he's also, like, hidden in the shadows. I don't think so far we've ever seen his face.
0: Well, as you keep going on, you, you eventually will see his face. And he's, like, this old guy and stuff. But... So, you beat these three levels. And there's a boss battle, which is very strange. It's, like, everybody comes in. There's this huge card on the thing. And then the first time you beat it, suddenly you get, you see these like, I want to say like YouTube videos of like this, this normal guy talking about this, like building decks and stuff. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because you kind of get the impression that while you're playing this game, you are actually then watching this card guy beat the game and he's like recording it like a let's play. And then it's like, oh, he gets these, like, instructions and he finds the cartridge. Uh, Daniel Molins Games is the guy who created this. And if you're familiar with any of his other games, uh, you already know. Because his biggest one was a game called P- Pony Island. Did you ever see that one? I've heard of it, but I don't remember it. Pony Island presents yourself as like, oh, you're a pony and you're, like, trying to attack stuff. But then it becomes like, oh, by the way, this is actually, like, some way to summon and make a contract with the devil. And, like, things change and you, like, step out of it for a second. You have to change game files. So it it's always, like, a almost like a meta, like, look at, like, oh, here's just this fun little game, but really there's this darker thing. And that's the same thing with Inscription. Uh, I haven't uh, gotten to the end of the first round yet, but from what I've seen, the coolest part about it is, is that At first, I started to think that, especially after watching it and seeing, like, oh, once you beat it, all this other stuff starts coming in. I was like, oh, okay, this isn't the real game. But the problem is is that that card game is so much fun to play. And it's like, you got to build up strategies and, you know, create your cards and react to the other person's card. It is also very unsettling, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. So... I really like it. I like I can't think of in my head, has there ever been like a like a card building game that is primarily horror based?
1: Not like this. This is different. Like it feels like an escape room Mm -hmm. with a game and like this I don't know, I wanna say spiritualistic piece. I don't know. I don't know what you would call that. I don't know if that's the right word with like potions and weird thingies.
0: Yeah, and and every part of it seems fun. It's like trying to figure out this and trying to figure out, well, how does this work? And if you get a card, and the fact that some cards can talk to you and talk to, the, to each other and be like, hey, this goes on, he's going to kill you. Also, it has a very cool mechanic. Like, if you die, you get to basically create what he calls your portrait, and it becomes a card that you can use later on if you get that card. So you can make a really strong card that you can then use. But it, it's insanely fun. I'm sure if you guys have been looking around, you've been seeing a lot of uh, vid- Let's Plays about it. It's it's a really fun game. I mean, I think we watched Mark Plier play it, and I think within the first 20 minutes of the first video, we were like, oh, he's addicted to this.
1: Oh, yeah, but he's, like, super smart, though. With games like this, it takes me a minute to... I guess, put the pieces together and figure out exactly how the cards work and how you can combine them and what you should play. Like, it takes me a minute and he just picks it up super fast.
0: Right. And he just he was like, I got to keep playing. I got to keep playing. You almost got the feeling that at first it was like maybe this was going to be a one off. But then he was just like, no, I got to keep playing. This is so much fun. Um, I'm really hoping that the card game doesn't get like pushed to the side. Uh, Because it kind of also feels like, I almost want to say Hades, where it's like, oh, you got to beat this game a few times before you even really start playing. Because of all the things that get added. But check it out. It's on uh, Steam. It is, I don't think, it's not on Switch because I, I went and looked for Switch. But you should try this game out, especially if you like card games. It is creepy. It is insanely fun. And like most of the best card building rogue like games, it's very easy to pick up, but it's very hard to master. I mean, there's even one part where if the game thinks you're like completing the card game too fast, it actually like cheats. And yeah. suddenly turns all its cards into like these like unkillable cards. So it there's just a lot to see and again that that is inscription by Daniel Mullins games Uh, Devolver Digital, if you don't know them, from their fantastic, like, E3 presentations or really short films, uh, is the publisher. But yeah, really check this out. This is a fantastic game. I hope it gets... I mean, people seem to love it right now, and it deserves a lot of love because it is a fun game, it's got the perfect aesthetic, and like the best horror games, you also get a feeling that there is a ton more going on behind the scenes. Well, from inscriptions to the Mandala Catalog. Why
1: is it a catalog?
0: Well, apparently that's just what the guy called it.
1: Well, then what is it?
0: Well, the Mandala Catalog... Let let me back up a second. So we watched a game called... uh, What was it called? Maple County? Yeah. And it seems to present itself as this, like... Would you say almost training video? For, like, cops? But... It's very strange because they're talking about something called what was it alternates? Is that what they called the things? They were like no the alternates? I think so. Um I believe so. And how unsettling and this game was very short but how unsettling was this this game?
1: I don't know. Like I don't know if it was unsettling per se. Mm-hmm. Like there was like a little bit to it, but There was a part, like it's a training video or something, Mm -hmm. and you look at these weird sketches. Yeah. And they're asking you like psychology questions, like choose the picture that makes you feel uncomfortable or something. And And there's
0: no reason why. Well, and it's very strange because it's not like spot the difference. It's like, you know, like faces are elongated or eyes are like way to the center. Yeah. And it's it's a very short game. But this comes from something called the Mandala Catalog, which is uh, kind of a series of like I want to say horror, like short films. It's an analog uh, horror, which is where like you are as the viewer, you're the you're you're the main character basically. Right. You present itself. So the Mandala Catalog was which was created by I believe a 18 year old named Alex. Uh, K-I-S-T-E-R. Kister? Kister. It is insane because it presents these, like, videos. Now, Alex, at being 18, I'm sure he, he didn't grow up. I mean, I did. I'm, a, I'm older. So I remember. Do you remember, like, those training videos at, like, work and stuff? Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, here's the police department. It's like, here's how you identify these alternates. My first question when seeing this was, like, why is this police department seem just, like, this is something we just got to deal with? There's no, like, panic. It's just, like, well, it, it, it almost felt like these videos, like, these training videos had been happening for about, like, years or something. To the point where it's, like, okay, we've got to make a training tape about these things. <laughs> but it is so unnerving because... As you watch these videos, you also start getting the impression like some alternates are like screwing with them.
1: Maybe there's like some type of video camera set up and you're like, what am I supposed to be watching for? Like, are we still in a training video? And I feel like at some point, like you're, you move away from it and what, what does it go on YouTube? Or maybe they think, or they make you think it is or something. It was really kind of confusing.
0: And what I like about it was, I mean, there are things like, you'll see, like, there's this thing called, I remember it was called the Think Principle about how to identify. And at one part, the last thing, the case suddenly changes to kill yourself. Yeah. And it's the alternates, like, messing with it. I think, though, the most disturbing part of the video is the story of those two guys. What was their names? I think it was, like, Caesar and Michael. And you see these two people. You see, you see, they're like, I almost want to say, like, candid photos of these guys. And suddenly you get, you hear this call. And it's just like a call between them. And the first guy's like, Hey, my mother got knocked out cold. I got to take her to the emergency room. And the other guy's like, He's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And then the first guy's like, well, can you go put out these cameras and these, like, motion centers? And the first guy's like, no, I don't want to go out at night. And the guy's like, please, you know, we've been told what to do. Again, it's like these people, like, just know what's going on. And so then you see the video. First of all, you see a dash cam footage of him driving up to the house. I think why this works a lot better than some of them Is that you're looking for the jump scare. You're waiting for it. You're waiting for something to hit him on the side road. But nothing happens. You see him get there. You see all these cameras go on. And then you hear him leave. And you're like okay cool. And then the video shows you supposed times. Where like it was like motion detected. Or sound detected and you hear these voices and so at one point you see this like almost elongated figure sitting in the hallway and it's insanely creepy but nothing rushes at the camera nothing you know screeches in your ear it's just it looks very real i mean wouldn't you agree
1: oh yeah i guess just the overall is like
0: what is it really about well well the worst part is is that then you see the first guy and it's like I remember this, it's like, it followed me home. Then we cut to, like, a camcorder shot of him looking at a closed door, and you hear, like... I guess it's, like, taking the form of his mother, and it's like, oh, come out, I've got something for you. But the voice doesn't quite sound right. And it's like, oh, come out, you know, come out. Now, there's no monster. You never see what's outside that door. But (laughs) just the sound of, like, something... Off, And then the film ends with him killing himself. He's like, I'm not opening it up, but I've been here for days and no one is coming for me. And the guy eventually just kills himself. That's crazy. It is insanely disturbing. And it works because while you do see glimpses of something... I mean, you hear what these alternates look like. It's like they've got elongated limbs. They kind of look like you. Their voice is kind of ha- doesn't have emotion, but you never see it. And I right. Think, and I think that's that goes back to just basic horror one hundred and one. Is that not seeing the monster is worse because in your mind you you are creating what's on the other side of that door. Uh, Kister said that the reason he created this monster was he's like i love horror i love these type of things but he said i'm not scared of the traditional boogeyman he said to me one of the scariest things would be like you go to your house you open the door you walk through your house and then you get to your bedroom and there you are just sitting in bed that's so weird the doppelganger right
1: right yeah but like a doppelganger is an alternate
0: yeah, that's, it, it's kind of like that. It's just that they got elongated... They don't look... They look sort of human, but they're not like a Freddy Krueger burn monstrosity or like pinhead or something. Well,
1: they can't be a doppelganger if they're like that.
0: Right. But it's just so scary. Now, it also makes me think of... Did you ever see Marble Hornets? Did you ever watch that series on YouTube? No. Marble Hornets was an insanely scary thing. And it was literally like... The story was this guy was investigating his hometown and like the strange things that were going on. Now, the main villain of it is a creature they call the Operator. And the Operator, and let me know when this sounds familiar. The Operator (laughs) is very thin, he's very tall, he wears a suit, and he has a blank face.
1: As soon as you said really tall, I kind of got
0: it. Yeah, it's Slenderman. And I will tell you this... Slenderman of course has kind of decreased in like scariness. I mean, yes, the five pages is or the se- is it seven pages? I think it's seven pages, right? I have no idea. I can't remember. It's like the nine page. I was like, "But that doesn't sound right." But Slenderman is scary, but he's not as terrifying. I will say this. If you're a person who says, "No, Slenderman never scared me." Go watch Marble Hornets and then play that game. Because I know people who watch that who watched that series, and then when that game came out, they were like, nope, not playing it. It is too much. (laughs) Because, like, you'll just see the operator just suddenly just, like, be in the background. Ew. And it's it's insane.
1: I don't know. I find it a little... I don't want to say played out because that's not what I mean, but I find it a little odd that they would bring in a character that would be reminiscent of Slenderman. Just because... I feel like a lot of people don't recognize this or they don't remember or maybe they don't want to. But Slenderman really hit a high point when that, like, 12-year-old girl killed her best friend.
0: Tried to kill her. She she, didn't, well, she, she, she didn't was succeed. going to kill her, but she survived. And I think that's kind of why Slenderman kind of got pushed to the side. Well,
1: and that was, like, the pivotal moment where people are like, this has got to stop. So, right. I mean, to bring it up now, is it, it doesn't hold the same effect.
0: Well, and here's the thing. The Operator is Slender Man. It's not even like, oh, he's inspired by him. No, that's Slenderman.
1: Exactly. So because... why keep it going, you know, knowing oh, well, what kind of
0: chaos it has physically created? Well, Marble Hornets came out years ago, back when Slenderman was at his peak. But it does kind of beg the question of, do you, you remember that conversation we had a while back about what people, like 200 years ago, while well, they're... Sh- they're sh- you know shifting through the rubble of our society now like what would they say and what would they think I mean while we come from a place where we have ghosts and witches and Frankenstein and stuff like that could cultures that come way after us see Slenderman as that archetype yeah could they become totally are demons basically yeah basically it's very strange because, I always wonder what there. There was a short story that was that was written year uh, Got it in the 40s, where an alien civilization comes to Earth, and it's like civilization has been wiped out, and they're looking through everything, and they find this document that they're like, oh, this explains all the history of what was going on. What did these creatures believe? And at the very end of the of the document. A thing comes up, says a Walt Disney production, and you're like, "Oh, they're watching a Disney movie." And that's what, but that's what they think is like, "Oh, this is an historical document about these extinct humans."
1: Well, that's odd.
0: I know, but it, it does tell you that eventually, who knows what we will, what future civilizations will think about
1: us. The future is gonna think a lot about how much calcium intake we have and how much silicone we used.
0: No, maybe I mean, is.
1: let's think about it. They dig us up and see a tattoo of a cartoon. They're going to be like, what does this mean? Who well, is this idol? Well, it's
0: going to be real confusing. At, but see, that also begs the question. They will see that as an idol, not just somebody got drunk on their 21st birthday and got this because they liked it. But then we have to then look at our own selves and say, when we see tattoos of this or something on pottery, where we saying like, oh, like you see it with like Greek pottery oh, they're honoring their gods and their stories. Is it, though? Are they really doing that? No. I don't think so. It's something really to ponder.
1: I mean, I would hope, though, like, if that were the case, like, just kind of looking at it like this, Mm -hmm. that we'll have left a lot of information behind compared to other civilizations Mm -hmm. where there wasn't anything to look to and you know, it'll explain a lot more to leave some of that guesswork out of it.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think, and I've said this before because uh, my major was in history is that with the advent of film and now with the computer and stuff, there is no, there's a lot of non guesswork that is now taken out of it because now you can see it. You see these people, historical, moments and stuff. It's not like oh you have to rely on diaries or reports. It'll be like no, it's filmed, it's right there. Right. You can't really like guess basically at, like World War II because we have it filmed. We have all of it filmed. The History Channel runs marathons of it where you can watch the war from basically beginning to end.
1: Every single day, 24 hours a
0: day because they never stop playing it. Right. But th- but for a historian It's just like, hey, that's it. That's history. There's no more guesswork. Where anything prior to that, you have to basically do your own guesswork. And here's the thing. You can have all of your evidence, but you can still be wrong. Right. So who knows? Maybe civilizations or whatever comes and sees like the Mandala catalog will be like, oh, this is an account of something that was happening in this county during this time period.
1: That's so weird to me. I mean, but, I mean, Maple County is, I guess, fictional, right? Like, that's just what they're calling it.
0: Oh, yeah. and But the Mandala catalog actually, I, th- I don't know. It's very strange, but it is fictional, yeah. The county doesn't exist. Oh, okay. But it's just... But, I mean,
1: it would be hard to tell. Exactly.
0: Crazy. I mean, and if no one's there to tell somebody, hey, is this is wrong you have to make up your own mind, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, Good luck.
0: so, I mean, who knows? They might actually think that, but check it out. It's on YouTube series right now. Uh, Alex, great job. I mean, it's just fantastic. It's, it's very unsettling and not going the, Oh, here's a jump scare or here's a gore or something like that. You know? No, it's just, creepy. It's just creepy. It's that it's that feeling where it's like you're looking at something and you're like something is wrong, but I can't quite put my finger on it. So, but yeah, check it out. Well, from two fictional horror accounts to unfortunately a very real account. Now, as most of you know, a 15-year-old uh person who we will not say the person's name just to not publicize it Uh, fatally shot four students at a high school in Michigan. This is a tragedy. Our thoughts are with the, you know, the community, uh, the victim's family, their loved ones. What we're going to talk about today is kind of an unprecedented thing.
1: It's definitely new. And like, I mean, I guess before we get too far into this, it's probably good for people to know too that we considered not even talking about this mm-hmm. um but we do live in a state where one of the biggest school shootings have ever happened mm-hmm. and geez i don't even remember isn't their anniversary september 11th
0: uh no uh their anniversary is 420 remember ah uh, yes it
1: you were right i saw something about it today mm. and um i knew it It always feels like it's not that long ago, but like it's a thing that we'll never forget. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, whether it's like 20 people or four, it still matters. But we did consider not even talking about this.
0: So instead of talking about the shooting itself, we're going to talk about the parents and the fact that these two have been charged in relation to their son's crime for manslaughter for the four students killed. Because this has never happened. I mean, I remember when school shootings, unfortunately, became very commonplace. There was talk about, well, what about the parents? What about where these people are getting these guns? Should they be charged? And that was a big debate. And everybody eventually said, you can't do that. You can't charge these people because they didn't plan it. They didn't, like, help the person do it. So, so they cannot be culpable.
1: Well, and based on like what we were talking about earlier with, I guess, the parents really having some good indicators that something might happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does that make them responsible, you know, in the eyes of the court? Because I've never heard of this before. It really comes down to it for me that we're now holding parents responsible for not following the rules and restrictions when it comes to firearms. And what I mean by that is they didn't keep their weapon locked up securely. Mm-hmm. They didn't keep it unloaded, you know, or, you know, those types of laws.
0: Well, and it's, and remember, this case has just... The only thing that's happened now is a plea deal. Um, we're just going to call them uh, mother and father. Now, to your first thing, they said the gun wasn't locked where this gun was that was used that the kid had access to it now the defense lawyers claim that the gun was always locked up okay and they...
1: it's possible you know in in just history in general it is possible that children have gotten into weapons when they're not supposed to or they snuck down to the cabinet you know where they found out a way around their parents and got a key you know there's there's things that happen i get that
0: mhm this Now, this case, this thing started out because the kid gets arrested and there were already, there was talk very early on that the parents might be charged in something. So the day that the parents get charged, they disappear. They, has now been known that they took out money from an ATM, which was thousands of dollars. And they were actually found in Detroit, forty miles from the scene of the shooting where they live, and they were in a warehouse, an abandoned warehouse. Now, kudos to whoever saw their car and phoned in police and was like, Hey, this is hap I think these people are here. Now, if there is one and I don't even want to say lighter moment, but I'm just like, guys, Defense Attorney, listen up. You can't present it this way. Listen to what the defense attorney said. He said that this was all just a misunderstanding that they left they thought it was going to be the next day they were going to voluntarily turn them voluntarily turn themselves in really (laughs) okay so So, what you're
1: trying to tell me is they were like hey hun you want to go to take a vacation maybe a weekend getaway in this abandoned warehouse 40 miles away from home really is that what you're trying to tell me i i mean it, it
0: is insanely laughable yeah, that, that, yeah, it is. Let, let now, me just now go. <laughs> I understand, defense attorney, you're trying. I get it. You have to say something. But no judge, no prosecutor, no public is going to look at the fact that they withdrew money. They left. They were found in an abandoned building. Now, here's the thing. You could argue this if they were like, if they were in a family member's house in Detroit. Yeah, it still doesn't look good. But, hey, you could be like, hey, yeah, we were just hanging out. We thought it was tomorrow. Okay, fine. An abandoned warehouse locked in a room somewhere? What, what are you doing?
1: Right, exactly. Do you own that warehouse? I mean, yeah. Were you going up there looking up uh,
0: real estate trends?
1: Well, not only that, but 40 miles away is not that far. Yeah. It's not even an hour.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I almost want to think that they th- they realized that I bet this plan was not very well thought out.
1: Um, kind of like their other decisions, but okay.
0: But I also believe that there was a part of them that's like, look, if we when we get caught, if we are found 500 miles away in another state, oh, that's going to look real bad. Oh, but 40 isn't? But 40 miles, you can at least try to explain. Again, this wasn't a thought-out plan. So, a judge... You know, this is totally random, but I think, even though
1: it's laughable, I think it would have been better received if they were like, yeah, we were ghost hunting. I know, right? I would have been like, okay, there's a shot for that.
0: Right. So, the judge agreed because the prosecutor was like yeah uh, these people need to be on a very high bond because uh, let's just talk about how we got them here (laughs) Uh, each of them got half a million dollars in bail Jeez. and in a very strange twist of fate they are actually lodged in the jail right now as their son I don't like that either well they are being kept away and all three of them actually have been put on suicide watch
1: okay that's fine I feel that for the sake of the son, I feel like the son really needs help. Sure. Keep them apart. You know, they all need to do their own thing right now, but I'm sorry. But as the parents, Mm -hmm. I don't, and this is me, it's me being bitter and really not seeing any positive side to this. You go ahead and be on suicide watch because you do, you need to, or you should be feeling real bad about what just happened. Because I think the details, you know, with um, basically his cries for help, Mm -hmm. I think they deserve to feel real bad about what happened because they had multiple chances to fix it.
0: Yes, and so let's talk about those chances. Besides the gun in the drawer being unlocked or maybe not locked, but the kid had access. Apparently, the school had raised concerns about this two times. And And the thing that just, it almost breaks your heart is that the second one was literally the day the shooting happened. It was a few hours before it. But apparently a teacher the first time a teacher saw the kid looking up ammo to buy on his phone. They called the mom saying, "Hey, you know your kid's looking for ammo over the phone." She don't respond. However,
1: is there a realistic reason for that though Is she working?
0: I don't know, but here's the thing. I don't know about I mean, we don't have kids. But, I, but any good parent or any parent who's trying basically the bare minimum, if your school calls you about your kid, you're going to get back to them pretty quick. Because they're not saying, hey, this is what's going on. They're probably like, hey, Mrs. X, we've got a problem with your kid. Please call us back at your earliest convenience. I mean, when you get that message, aren't you immediately dialing the phone? Being like, oh, my gosh, did he fall? Did he get hurt?
1: Not always. Because what, what if you know, since I don't know him, you know what if he's already had issues? You know, maybe he's getting called or his parents are getting called a lot because he's acting out because maybe there's a pattern here
0: when the mother finally did I almost want to say comment on this, we found out later that she sent her son a text that said, "Hey, you just got to be more careful and not get caught next time."
1: Has there been any I guess, a uh, known conversation between the family that maybe they go out shooting together or something like that, like where it would be reasonable that he would look for ammo. Kind of like kids buying BBs
0: for a BB gun. I mean, I guess, but here's my question. I mean, I'm not entirely familiar with the gun laws in Michigan, but can a 15 year old buy ammo?
1: Not that I know of.
0: The second one, which again this happened I'm we are talking the day of the shooting. This is literally hours before it's about to happen. Another teacher, I don't even know if it's the same teacher, but another teacher sees the kid drawing a picture of a of a himself holding a gun, saying with such interesting descriptions around it like blood everywhere and somebody help me the voices won't stop. The parents get called in. The parents show up, both of them, but things do not happen. Not only do the parents fail to mention to the school, hey, by the way, a few days ago, we bought the kid a gun. They fail to mention that. They fail to ask him or, you know, talk to him about it. And third, which to me is, I mean, I'm going to try not to get angry about this, but they wouldn't take the kid home. Now, as I said, and I'm sorry, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts here. Why the hell were the parents given a choice in this matter? Because, let me tell you this, as an administrator or a teacher or something like that, if I see that and you're not talking, I'll be like, okay, well, apparently you guys need to have a talk, you, you're suspended, you get... You get off this property, you got 10 minutes.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the school was basically making a cry saying, Hey, we need to keep everybody safe, we're strongly suggesting you take him home now. And for whatever reason, they didn't.
0: So, with these facts, they are now charged. I don't know these people's political affiliations. I do not know what they believe.
1: But does it matter?
0: Let's just say I've heard rumors. There's been some, some stuff out there about who they believed, what they believed happened, and stuff like that. Here is the thing, all right? How the hell, as a parent, as two people who brought this child into their house that gave life to them, how the hell can you not care about your child this much?
1: Well, and this just goes to show you, though, that... Despite their beliefs and, you know, everything in this situation, they literally gave their child a gun, Mm -hmm. did not listen for the cries, you know, for help. This is what happened. But to my knowledge, or at least from what I've seen before, this is the first time for me that parents have been held responsible for this.
0: Oh, it is. This is groundbreaking. Now, if... They go to trial. If they, they both pled not guilty, by the way. Oh, okay, so when? When they go to trial, if this stands, this will set a major legal precedent. Not criminal. Because here's the thing. Parents whose kids do something, they get sued. It's a civil matter, okay? But now we're putting on criminal charges to this. Right. And...
1: But see, cons- the thing is, though, and this is what confuses me, because... I mean, the whole point of talking about this is, one, this is groundbreaking because we're having parents that are being held responsible. Mm -hmm. Two, though, if the situation were different or a different situation, whatever, if for some reason they um, interrogate the family, they find out, hey, you know, we don't own guns or we don't believe this or nothing points to the parents, are they still reliable? And then third... If all parents will be held reliable for these types of incidents, how
0: will this change things? Well, here's the thing. Let me let me start off here. Should these parents be charged with manslaughter? Yes, they were. Many signs they apparently didn't go and investigate. They didn't care about their kid or the lives of these four people who died. However, now let's go to something else. Let's say that a school shooter. Steals a gun from his father's, like, weapon, gun gun rack or something and kills people. Should that father then be, should be charged criminally? Absolutely not, in my opinion. Okay? That is, that is things he was like, hey, I didn't even know. Okay? Right.
1: That's what I'm saying. If they don't know about it or they have, if the police have no reason to believe that the parents were given adequate signs or anything like that, mm-hmm. then... Should they be, yo, charged? Uh,
0: I don't know, but if this goes through, even if it, if they are convicted, if they don't appeal, and because again, that thing. But again, it's, I said, it's, it's story should make you angry. It should make you want to hug your loved ones. I mean, and if you're in care of people, you need to get involved in their lives.
1: Very true. I mean, but this is where we've come. And this is a huge deal. It it's is. got to stop.
0: And sometimes I don't even think it will.
1: Well, let's hope that maybe um, this case will straighten up some lives out there.
0: Hopefully. Well, for your wholesome moment of the week...
1: Squish <laughs> Not squish
0: <squishmallows. laughs> um, We're going to uh, be a little... Sh- uh, little shorter one but a few days ago it was a woman's birthday who who I want to say actually personifies kind of darkness and daisies how so with the right amount of darkness uh, she's a huge you know horror fan does uh, horror narrations for uh, creepy you might you have heard her voice if you ever Heard a uh, broadcast from the Lonely Radio Station. But she's also Daisy's because she puts out every day almost inspiring affirmations while she's usually working out. Wow. And about just self healing, and she's just a fantastic person. And that, of course, is uh, the wonderful Autumn Ivy.
1: Yay. If
0: you don't know her, you need to just follow all of her socials. I'll try to put it in the show notes for her link tree. Uh, she has Instagram, TikTok, uh, again, on the Chilling app, which is just absolutely fantastic. But it's one of those things like with her where I'm just like, if I'm just scrolling through Twitter and sometimes if I'm having a bad day and I'll just put on one of her like little short, like inspirational things about progress or healing or just, just her messing around with her horse. Um, she's just she's a bright ray of sunshine but again also the darkness part because she has some amazing cosplay um, but yeah, a happy birthday to you Autumn, you uh, as I said, you make the world a lot better and uh, happy 30th to you, she just turned 30
1: that's awesome and I also um, figured I'll mention it now just because you know, obviously this episode's not lightweight you know, it's, it's pretty heavy. Like, just in general with that last story there. Um, but there's an app I found that I was pretty excited about. I didn't give it much credit at first. And I think that if you're so much as having a bad day, maybe you're depressed, uh, maybe you're just looking for some more motivation, or maybe you're just looking to put your thoughts together. Um, there is an app called Finch, like the bird. And it's a cute little... I don't know, it looks more like a penguin to me, but it's a finch. And you do these little exercises, whether it's making some goals or talking about, you know, how did you feel today, uh, making gratitude lists, um, sleeping better, like there's various things, even exercise. And you just work with this app, like it's not like a therapist on the other side, you know, talking back at you, but the decisions you make help your finch grow up to be an adult and your finch get to like they go explore they learn new things it's almost like raising a kid but all of these things are impactful you know for you it's free you don't have to upgrade if you don't want to and it checks in with you throughout the day gives you cool motivators um asks you how you're feeling or what's wrong it's totally worth looking into. Like, it seemed too funny at first for me, but then it's almost, if anybody remembers Tamagotchi's, okay, it's sort of like that, except for I can ignore it and it won't die. Uh, but definitely worth looking into if uh, you're just not feeling yourself right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can get that on any, like, the Google Play Store or any of that.
0: And what was the name of it again?
1: Uh, Finch. F-I-N-C-H. Yeah, check it out. And last but not least, because it just kind of happened, I picked up a squishmallow named Shozo, which is um, sushi. And the little story kind of got me. It says Shozo's a planner who helps Malo everywhere stay safe. He works in logistics and planning um, to make sure fire drills, tornado drills, and other weather emergencies are handled, snowstorms or flash floods. Shozo's got it handled. So I thought that was kind of fitting. Totally random, but like <laughs> fitting for how schools now practice uh, shooting drills.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we can put this body in the ground. What do you think?
1: Shozo and I say okay.
0: So thank you so much for listening. My name is Jerry. And I'm Aaron. And come back next week and we'll see what else we can dig up.